Hi everyone, welcome to Metaspace. I'm your host, Rachel Holmes. Today's guest is Niran Babalola. I've asked him on today to discuss the organization he founded, Panvala, and why community life is so important to him. Niran, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rachel. You're welcome. Um, so I'd like to talk about Panvala first, and um, I wouldn't call it a, a normal organization only because it is run off of uh, blockchain technology. Um, so it's something that not everyone's familiar with. Um, and I'm, for me, when I think about that, I think about cryptocurrencies because that's the only thing I can really relate it to and that maybe other people can. Um, but you describe it as uh, a sustainable treasury for communities to me. So uh, the, the reason we call it that is because like what we do with this new currency isn't something like trying to create a new digital gold. It's not trying to create a new technological platform. It's really trying to create an economic tool to amplify community life. So if, if you're familiar with crypto, you've probably seen different technical protocols out there. And a lot of them have their own protocol treasury that they used to spend on the protocol itself. Uh, Panvala is kind of like that, except it's a, it's a protocol treasury that communities can share. So rather than having a treasury for one particular focus, uh, we want to share Panvala's treasury with anybody who wants to share it with us uh, so they can do whatever they want in their own community. And we just cooperate to make the treasury stronger. Uh, in real world terms, uh, if you're not familiar with crypto, the easiest way to think about it is that it's a community managed endowment. And in the real world, the best example of a community managed endowment is a university endowment. Uh, university endowments are managed by their community of alumni and students, and they work together to try to allocate that endowment to support education, research, and life on campus. That vibrant college life that so many people are familiar with is supported by a community managed endowment, and we want any kind of community to be able to plug into the same sort of thing without needing some like incredibly wealthy robber baron to gift them a whole bunch of property. We wanna build this thing up from scratch and have that same sort of phenomenon. Perfect. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how that exactly works with Pambala and how um, communities get funding for that? Sure. So in Panvala, we have uh, there, there's uh, inflation coming out of the system every quarter. So what we have to decide as a community is how we're going to use that inflation together. And what we do in recent quarters is we take 75% uh, of it, and that's what we allocate within the Panvala League. There's 29 communities in the Panvala League, and the way we allocate that 75% of inflation of the inflation is through donation matching. So each of the communities bring in donations and those donations are what uh, let them earn a staking yield curve. And what that means is that the more donations they bring in, the higher the yield is gonna be for any amount of tokens that they stake. Uh, so that's a, a staking yield is a very crypto kind of term. If you're not familiar with staking yield, another way to think about it is just the more donations you bring in, the more matching you get with the caveat that you have to stake your share. Uh, the, uh, the inflation from Panvala comes from diluting the people who already hold the PAN token, right? 
So we try to achieve this sort of balance where the communities are benefiting from a share of the inflation, but they're also holding that same share of the circulating supply. And in that sort of sense, there's a balance. It's not the, the people benefiting or the people who own the thing in the first place. And that's what we want to happen in the long run. So the more you donate, the more matching capacity you have with the caveat that you have to own part of Panbala as well. So instead of just having donations uh, fund the community, you also have the staking yield uh, from the people who are holding on to the currency that also matches donations. It's basically a new form of philanthropy and it's really what's operating the Bitcoin network right now. Fees do not fund the Bitcoin network uh, and there's no wealthy foundation behind the scenes, no wealthy benefactor. It's just inflation that's funding the Bitcoin network. Uh, if you hold Bitcoin, you've opted into a system that has promised to dilute your holdings up to the maximum supply of 21 million Bitcoins. And those inflated tokens are used to pay the miners. That's where the vast majority of their income comes from, inflation. So when you hold Bitcoin, you're a philanthropist that's letting your holdings be diluted to fund that network. And we just generalize that concept to subsidize what's going on in the Panvali communities. And we think again, that we can share it with as many communities as wanna share it with us. It's really a new form of philanthropy. So let's talk about tokens because that's something also that's very specific to um, blockchain technology. And the token that Panvalu uh, uses is PAN. Um, so can you kind of explain what token economics is and how a token is used? Because it's, it's used like a currency. And so instead of the US dollar, like I think of it coming from a nonprofit arts background, um, you know, you have the National Endowment for the Arts, you know, gives organizations money to keep running and doing the programming that they do. And so the, the currency that you use is PAN, is that, is that how you would say it? Yes. Yeah. And how does that work exactly with tokens? Can you kind of just talk about that a little bit more? Uh, sure. So the best way th uh, for me to think about tokens is they're effectively special purpose community currencies. The big difference between the tokens that most people talk about and the community currencies that you probably already heard of is that most community currencies are trying to peg to a national currency. So there's a lot of uh, local communities that have their own version of the dollar or the pound, and they have it circulate within their own community to encourage uh, shopping within the community but tokens aren't really like that. Uh, tokens aren't trying to peg, most tokens aren't trying to peg their value to something that already exists. So instead, there's all these different kind of monetary metaphors that you can use to think about them. They're kind of like community currencies. They're kind of like national currencies. They're kind of like corporate equity. They're kind of like all these different things. Uh, but the, the, if you just think of it as uh, the different communities are making up their own currency. So it's kind of like a board game where you made up the pieces, somebody made up all those pieces in the board game with the restriction that there's a limited supply of all those pieces and everyone can see how many pieces they are. there are, how many of them are floating around because instead of just having to deal with physical pieces, they're on the blockchain. So the whole world can play a very elaborate game together as long as it produces value for them. So again, like uh, when we started out with the PAN token, it was, it was worth nothing. I literally made it up. Where the value comes from is the interaction between the people who play the game. And in Panvala, the name of the game is cooperation. 
we bring these communities together to work together to keep raising funds to keep diluting the asset that they hold to match those donations and as long as they're willing to keep working together and grow their cooperation over time that's the only reason to hold this currency that i made up uh, it's to work with these people who are doing something that produces value otherwise it's like uh there's there's people making up currencies all the time like there's people gambling on them as well i don't recommend that but if you view them as instead um com like products of a particular community and their cooperation and you're just choosing which community you want to be a part of that to me is a better way to look at tokens if you like a community and what's going on maybe play their game maybe hold their token yeah i am yeah i understand that um and just hearing you talk about it um it's like it, you're investing in that community by by um buying the tokens or or getting the tokens and saying you want to be a part of this mission or this vision um and so is that how you would say it like investing in the the community and its vision uh, so some people refer to it that way. I try to steer away from investment terminology in general for a variety of reasons, but uh, mainly because like all these things are far too volatile for any normal person to think of a, as an investment in the first place. Sure, but like, yeah. um, if you like, to me, it's really like, uh, um, imagine there's a game out there that you might want to play, but to play it, you have to have these pieces. Well, if you think that game is going to be worth playing, then hold on to the tokens. That to me, like you can think of it as an investment, but it's really like um, like you're it's something that you're trying to use. Uh, it's less like um, less like gold. Like people buy gold and hold on to it and hope it's going to go up in value. Like it's not something. It's not a passive sort of thing. It's really like if there's a community that you want to participate in and a reason why you want to use this token in the in whatever the community is doing together. That's why you would hold on to. Yeah, I was thinking more of an energetic investment, not so much of a monetary investment. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I understand the. Um, so if there's something in the community that's happening and you want to get involved or be a part of it or take advantage of a service or something, then you use that token to to do that with. Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay, awesome. I'm understanding now. So. Um, Within the league, um, these 29 communities that are part of Panvala, what do you, what do you look for in these communities? So right now we really look for like uh, the proof that a community actually exists. Like we, the, uh, some people get what's happening with Panvala and they want to like grow their community within Panvala, which is like, it's not something that we actively oppose, but what we're really looking for is existing communities to plug into what's going on. Um, so really like uh, showing that there's like signs of life that you can see the community come together, you can see the, the product of their cooperation. Uh, that's really one major thing that we look for. But like, to be honest, in these early days of the system, it's not like a super selective thing. Uh, we have 29 communities today, but we really see this as having thousands of communities one day. So it's really looking for communities that are willing to try something new. Uh, communities that are willing to experiment. So some of those communities are crypto tech communities that are used to experimenting with all these sorts of things. But some of them are communities of artists that are also interested in experimenting with new, new sorts of things, not necessarily technical, but just on the bleeding edge of what's going on in society. 
Um, like uh, it, it's really just the uh, forward thinking mentality that's kind of necessary to try something like this because it's weird, but when you start to get the hang of it and you feel how it works, uh, you can see a glimpse of what the world's gonna look like in a couple of years and it looks a lot better in my opinion. I agree, same. <laughs> um, and I think that's an important thing to point out is that even though Palmvala is built off of blockchain technology, the organizations in the league don't have to be that way, correct? Exactly that. This is for all sorts of communities, like literally any community that wants to work with us, we want to work with you because we think that the more we cooperate, the stronger it gets. So you might not be a tech community. Maybe you're like a community of lawyers, which is one of the latest groups that we brought on board, like a professional sort of community. Uh, maybe you're a community interested in a certain culture, like you have some sort of like a vibrant K-pop community that like you brought together to like celebrate that culture together and you want to plug into this treasury to subsidize your work. Totally cool. Uh, like there's all sorts of local civic associations. There's someone's trying to bring a parent teacher association into the Panvala League. Totally cool. Like uh, really the, the vision that we see for Panvala is rather like if you look at the landscape of our current society, it's very dominated by political life and corporate life. And we really see that as an economic phenomenon, an economic problem. Uh, uh, nations have very powerful currencies. Uh, corporations have very powerful equity. But when it comes to what we want to do as communities, we just kind of pool our money together and try to get things done. And it's not really the same deal. It doesn't have the same power behind it that those other tools do. But if we could give communities, if we could give community life that sort of economic tool, I think we could dramatically elevate the stature of community life in our society to where it's not dominated by political life or corporate life. Maybe those take a back seat to the communities of people we choose to work with, the communities of people we choose to spend time with. Maybe that could be the focus of what we do. Those other things would still exist, but maybe they wouldn't like squeeze the life out of everything else the way they do right now. Uh, that's really what we wanna do. So if you're any sort of community, we wanna elevate you, that's what we do. Yeah, and that's a really beautiful thing, I think. Um, you know, just talking about politics and um, corporations and, you know, I, I can only really speak for America because that's where I live, but it's really obvious here <laughs> um, how that powers everything. And like you said, squeezes out um, really what we desire to have outside of that, you know, how we want to interact with each other, what we want to grow and foster in our own communities. And I, and I see um, Panvala as a way to help kind of bring us back to thinking more about, you know, you can say that smaller um, view of, of life, right? How we are with our neighbors or, you know, the person down the street or our, our you know grocery store workers or our farmers or whomever is in your community and what way we want to organize together what way we want to connect um and we're just doing this well also on the digital digital scale but also in our everyday lives it can go either way um and just you talking about it it really takes people who are looking forward 
to try this and not kind of stuck in where we've been or where, even where we are because we can't just stay where we are. Um, and I personally, whenever I talk to other people um, about this, it's quite challenging to mm, introduce people to these concepts they've maybe have heard nothing about. Um, and so for you and Pambala as an organization, how are you reaching organizations that are outside of blockchain technology? How are you making it accessible? So we're still in the early days of making it more accessible. It still like uh, takes a little bit of expertise to use, but we're building more and more tools to make it easier. Uh, I think what really, um, what, what we lean on a lot is the metaphor to college life. Now, not everyone has experienced this particular metaphor, but like there's uh, something in American culture where like people, especially as they age, they like look wistfully back on college life. Oh, those college years, they were so great, things like that. And a lot of people just think it's looking back on youth. And to me, I don't think it's that at all. I think it's looking back on a time when they were actually part of a tight-knit community that worked. Like it's the last enclave of vibrant community life in American society. And that's the touch point we have. We're like, oh, there's something great there, but maybe it's just being young and it's not just being young. You can have that kind of community life throughout a lifetime. We've just sucked it all out of our society. So I think the, like when we, as we reach out to more kinds of communities, like showing those same patterns uh, on, a, on a more accessible scale, like you don't have to be admitted to anything. You don't have to have a giant gift from a wealthy person. You just plug in and start going and your donations get matched, uh, showing them how accessible it is, and then showing the same patterns uh, that people are used to from college life. The same sort of activities that uh, just start to blossom and flourish throughout a community. Um, like building up traditions as more and more communities form. Like I think people are gonna to start to feel it where it starts to take less explanation because although the economic phenomenon and even the Panvala League structure itself might be a little bit new, what we're trying to accomplish isn't new at all. <laughs> it's existed yeah. for a long time. Uh, there's still enclaves where it still exists. We just need to bring it back. So as we start to bring it back, it'll, it, it won't be a issue of explaining uh, some new way to do life. It's not a new way. Everybody knows how to do it. Just let's do this more. And as we show people, I think it'll be easy. They'll, they'll see it and they'll do it and it'll kind of just work. That's the hope at least. Yeah. And I, I, um, I totally agree. It's, it's kind of remembering <laughs> making life less complicated and going back to things that are more simple but advanced at the same time. You know, it's a, it's a more advanced way of doing something very simply is how I like to think of it. Um, so I'm curious, was that your personal experience when like with college and you, you use that as the example of, of community and feeling supported in that community? And um, was that your experience at college? And was that kind of what um, led you to starting Pambala? Uh, in a way, yeah. There, there are two periods in my life where I felt like I was part of like a very vibrant community. Uh, one of them was in college, the college, like just being parts of different clubs, like showing up in your freshman dorm and people just embrace you, going to the house meetings and all that. Like it's, it's special, like it really feels good. And I think it would be nice if it didn't go away. 
I never um, had that experience, neurons. <laughs> Mine was online. I did all my studying online, so I never had that. Yeah, but sounds there's, fun. <laughs> there's still <laughs> we're, we're gonna build some more. Uh, the other experience I had in my life with vibrant community life was uh, the improv and like a uh, comedy community here in Austin, Texas. Uh, I started taking some improv classes a couple of years ago, like I got on stage for the first time in front of people and felt what that was like. Um, and the, the, the community, like uh, for anybody who's kind of like starving for community in general, but also like has never put themselves out there like that, you just have to take an improv class. You have to try it <laughs> because all of a sudden you're going to be stuck with all these people who are totally open to like just trying something new. Uh, people who have taken the kind of yes and mentality, uh, the, the, the pattern that they teach you in these improv classes is to take what other people offer and say yes and and add on to it. Because if you're like, no, or but, like that, that doesn't look good on stage because it cuts off opportunities. But when you say yes and, it's just like, oh, uh, the, you get to add on. And it, like when taken as kind of like a community, community ethos, it produces a very special thing. And that's kind of what the uh, the improv community was like in Austin. I, I did stand up comedy for a while and the community there was really good too. Like um, there's like being part of that kind of community like uh, like is, is a special thing. And I think it shouldn't just be tied to these like narrow things. Like it's great to be really into a specific hobby and find your community there. Like that's a very special thing, but like you, I don't think you always had to feel like some sort of special person to be in a tight-knit community before, but now it does. Like we all feel yeah. like atomized and there's, you see on, at the distance, oh, those people seem to be having a great time over there. Um, but I, I think we can move past that and everybody can have a great time. Yeah, I, I, what, I wanna um, add also, you have to be willing to embarrass yourself and be vulnerable and go with the flow with with uh, any improv. And um, I think that really goes with how I've noticed you are with Kambala. You're very open and um, willing to listen to other people and make changes and um, try things out. And you're not rigid in how it's um, forming or how it works. Um, and uh, also for myself, I was gonna say as an artist, that's when I felt the most in community and, mm -hmm. you know, like connecting with people and, you know, everyone kind of feeding each other, if you will, in some way or another. And um, and so, yeah, that's, that's always what I connect it with. Um, and what you're saying about special, I, I also find that too, where we start to, in my mind, get into this tribal, mentality almost where this is our group you're not part of it go find your own group you know and where there's kind of restrictions um you know whether it's financial or social or whatever they are that separate us instead of unite us um and i think that's something we're all collectively learning more and more about where we can have really good boundaries about what our values are, what we stand for, but also be inclusive instead of exclusive. 
Absolutely. Like, uh, I really think it's important to like, I, I, I think there's something natural about that tendency towards forming some sort of exclusive space based on some, uh, whatever you want to exclude based on, like people do it all the time. There's certain areas where I think it's very bad to exclude and you probably shouldn't do that. But like, I think like uh, people want to have their groups where they feel totally welcome. But what I think is important is to also have inclusive spaces alongside them. So I, I think in the, in the general Panvala model in my head, it's that there's all these different communities doing their own thing. Some of the communities will be very inclusive, open communities. Some of them might be exclusive, but then there's a place for them to come together, a place for them to actually work together and benefit from each other's cooperation. And that, that's to me is the missing piece. Like, um, and it's also kind of similar to the, the college life example that I use all the time. You might have all these different communities on campus, some of them are inclusive, some of them are ex exclusive, but whenever there's a football game, they all come together and they're kind of rooting for the same team. They have that thing that binds them together and allows them to cooperate together. It's a very important pattern. Like I think it, there's a lot there. And again, we lose it once you exit your early 20s. We're just like not really there anymore. We don't have that same fabric and we need to rebuild yeah. it. Yeah, actually I was having this very conversation earlier today about the same thing about, you know, of course, every community, you're going to attract certain people, and you're going to not attract other people. And that's just how things naturally go. Um, and there's nothing good or bad with that. But there's this time or this moment, if you will, where we all do come together, or that is needed for our survival, if you will, <laughs> for our health. Um, and um, for us to recognize that. And, and again, it's having those, yeah, I would say like very clear boundaries about what, you know, this group or, or the values of this group or organization are, but that if you're not a part of that, that makes you no different from us, that we can still connect and collaborate and um, have similar values and similar vision and goals and work together. Absolutely. Uh, like, uh, it, it reminds me of something that uh, my dad said to me one time. Uh, he, we, like, my family's from Nigeria, and uh, he was explaining to me, like, I got married recently, he was explaining, like, all the traditions in our uh, particular tribe about how we do weddings, and he also described, like, how uh, other, another community does it as well, and, like, uh, I, I, someone was uh, saying, oh, but our way is better, and my dad was like, no, <laughs> their way is different. <laughs> but it's working for them and that's kind of like how I view everybody like I don't want to live life the way a lot of other different people do but I also don't want them to change the way they live their life it's probably working for them like yeah. they're the best <laughs> judges of what's going on in their community so like I that's I, I think we need a world that is very conducive to letting people do their own thing mm -hmm. and like uh, also making sure that we have some way to come together at the end of the day so I was looking at uh, Pambala's website earlier, and there's some mention on there about um, abundance within communities. Um, so there's not this scarcity mentality, but that um, it, resources are available so that communities feel like they're doing or getting what they need. Um, so what does that mean specifically for you? I love that question. So. Um, 
A lot of people, when they look outside and they look at the world's problems, uh, a lot of times they ascribe it to human nature. Like we're just the way we are. We can't, we can't get better at doing uh, some particular thing. It's just going to be that way. Uh, but that has never resonated with me. Like for me, like when I look outside, I'm like, ah, there's, there's something wrong going here. And if we found the right switch to flip, I think people would be a lot happier and do a lot better in general. And to me, uh, the, the key to that is that abundance mentality, this idea that there's so much value out there that if we had a way to organize it properly, then uh, you wouldn't feel this constant pressure that like you were in competition with other people for basic needs and basic resources that you could just do the things that you wanted to do. And we would find ways to reward the people who are benefiting the most people. But even if you're not benefiting a ton of people, you're fine too. <laughs> like at the end of the day, we want a society and an economy that rewards the people who are producing abundance but that, that doesn't have to be everybody's top line thing because there's abundance. If somebody else has produced abundance, maybe you don't have to, and you can just do the thing that you wanna do for you. You won't get all the rewards that the people producing abundance do, but that's fine. Um, so like the, the, the metaphor that I use in my head is like uh, in a, let's, let's imagine a, uh, just an agricultural society. We haven't come up with all this fancy technology yet. The, the most amazing thing is like, there's the stuff that just kind of grows out of the ground and we don't really have to pay anything. Like we have to do work, you have to plant it, we have to tend to the crops. But other than that, it just kind of grows out of the ground, the sunlight shines on it and it pops up. That's amazing. Um, to me, like uh, I think as we get wealthier of society, it should feel like there are just more things that kind of just pop out of the ground. <laughs> like it's not just the plants that pop out of the ground. <laughs> Maybe it's like an education that just feels like it pops out of the ground. It's just there. Uh, healthcare that just kind of pops out of the ground. We just have the resources of the society that that stuff just gets produced as a baseline. Not necessarily through some sort of political system. I have beliefs about all that stuff too, but I'm talking about outside of politics. Like, I think that's a thing that we can organize to do as communities and that it doesn't really require uh, all of us to get on the same page as either 300 something million Americans or 8 billion or so people on it. Like, I don't think we have to agree to make that sort of thing happen. We can just come together as communities and decide in our community, what's the kind of stuff that should feel like it just grows out of the ground. And again, like, you can't afford everything. Like we don't have the resources to produce everything for every person, but communities can decide in their community what they want to feel abundant and then what they're gonna do to produce more abundance. So they can decide as a community, okay, now let's make it feel like this sort of thing grows out of the ground. That's the kind of, um, that's the kind of feeling I think more communities are gonna have. Deciding what they think everybody should just feel like they have access to as a community uh, and when you do that on a smaller scale with boundaries, with who's in and who's out and how we make decisions together, I think like it's just gonna, people are gonna have so many options to choose from about what kind of life they wanna live, what kind of community they wanna live in, that there's gonna be something special for everybody. Uh, it's, it's kind of, if you think about the, the market as this, uh, this wish fulfillment machine, <laughs> 
uh, that wish fulfillment machine, uh, A, it doesn't always work all the time. It produces really bad outcomes a lot, but also like it does work really well for a certain category of things. The things that benefit one person. <laughs> if you can spend yeah. some money on a thing that will just benefit you, the market is gonna go produce it. People are gonna go take a risk to satisfy your needs as a person. But if two people benefit from it, or if 10 people benefit from it, uh, you're probably out of luck. The market's just not good at solving those problems. When we have economic tools for communities to run themselves, I think we will have that kind of market sort of mechanism, that sort of wish fulfillment machine that works for things that multiple people benefit from. So when you go to the electronic store to pick out your favorite cell phone and you have all these different options, you find one that you're really happy with and you buy that one, I think you're gonna have that same feeling for communities. There's gonna be something that fits every kind of person because there's gonna be so much competition and so much different uh, uh, efforts at making different kinds of communities that make people happy that uh, we're gonna find so many ways to give people the community that they want that they may not have known that they wanted. Not necessarily that they decided, hey, I'm gonna go choose this particular, this community should exist. I'm gonna go make it be created. Somebody goes off like an entrepreneur does maybe and creates that kind of community because they believe people will wanna be a part of it. Uh, I think we're gonna find so many different communities that are gonna make so many people happy. I think so too. You're talking about abundance where, um, you know, some people uh, or organizations could, you know, their impact might be greater, but that doesn't mean it's perhaps more important than somebody else who's, you know, you know, maybe teaching 10 children as opposed to someone who's running an organization with a thousand people involved. <laughs> um, they both are valuable and I think that goes hand in hand with, um, you know, this the sense of abundance or, or feeling abundance within communities, also looking at how we value people and what they do and what they contribute and the ripple effect that's possible with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Like uh, giving different communities the tools to reward the specific kinds of work that they think should be rewarded in their community is going to be such a huge deal. Because again, like when, uh, when the social fabric is very loose and we are dependent on just a, a single person markets, like uh, the, just the normal marketplaces that we have to solve problems, like uh, there's a lot of things that people just don't wanna pay that much for, so we don't get them at all. But right. if we could decide as a community, hey, in this community, we reward this kind of work because we believe it should happen. I think that's really the lever that we have to create that um, the, the the outcomes that people want, like uh, this this is this isn't the best we can do. Uh, like we can do so much better in terms of like uh, rewarding the people who do the work that we think should be done. Some of the things that people try aren't going to work, and that's totally fine. But some of the things that people try are actually going to work. They're they are actually going to be better. And so many people are going to copy them. Even people who, like, if you ask them today, should this kind of work be rewarded? They'll be, they might be like, oh, no, I don't think so. Like, the market says it's worth this, so we're just going to do it that way. Right. Once they see it, once they have a choice on the menu of communities to be a part of, they're going to choose the communities who reward that kind of work because it's just, it just works. We don't all have to be like, in a world dominated by politics, if we are 
in, in a, if we have, if we're massively wrong about a certain thing, we just all have to be wrong. There's no other option because we have a monopoly on like governments are monopolies by design. So if we're wrong, we're just stuck until somebody figures out a way to get us unstuck. But when it comes to community life, if we're wrong, somebody else is going to be right. And if they demonstrate that it's right, then everybody else is going to end up being right <laughs> uh, as time progresses as well. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what? why is this all so important to you? Um, so it's really important to me because like, um, like I feel like I, I have this vision in my head of what's actually possible. And it's so much like the gap between where we are as a society and what we're actually capable of as human beings is gigantic. It's enormous, like people, <laughs> it's so hard to describe how big the gap is. Like um, in economics, there's this concept referred to as dead weight loss, like uh, the impact of policies on just like making people just lose lose value unnecessarily and like the deadweight loss from the way we've organized our society is gigantic and i think we can make a lot of people uh happier and our whole society wealthier by reorganizing it in certain ways not necessarily from like a top-down sort of like this is the way things should work let's start a revolution to reorganize society i'm not that dude but I think that we can uh, come up with ways to like uh, voluntarily uh, organize people on the ways that they want to work that produce abundance in this way that gets rid of that dead weight loss that shows like that just shines a light on this huge missing gap of value that was there in our society just there for the taking and uh, it's it's gonna feel really good. Uh, I had this uh, talk, uh, there's a meetup that uh, Kevin Owaki from the Gitcoin team and I were both talking on and uh, we started talking about this concept of uh, bubbles. So people are used to like economic bubbles when it comes to um, personal wealth. So like the dot-com bubble when everybody's stocks went up and then went down. Uh, the housing bubble when everybody's real estate wealth went up and then went down. Uh, like crypto bubbles, people know that feeling when their wealth suddenly increases. Uh, what I don't think people are that familiar with is when their community wealth suddenly increases. What would that kind of bubble feel like? I think it would feel so much better than the feeling that people get in those bubbles. And the best example is something that Kevin Owaki mentioned in that talk. Like if we're talking about public goods, the things that we all share, we actually do know what a bubble of public goods feels like. Uh, if you take national defense, which is a public good, we all share our national defense together, then compare it to the end of World War II and those photos we've all seen of people celebrating in the streets. They're celebrating because they are experiencing a bubble of public goods. Their national defense just skyrocketed. They're like, we have peace now let's all celebrate this sense of relief that things are so much better than they were before. I think that's what we're gonna feel when this bubble of public goods, of community life, when that starts to kick off, you're people are gonna feel such a sense of relief, like a, such a sense that like, this is the way things should always have been. And now that it's there, like 
the 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 opportunities that face them are endless like uh i i think it's going to feel really good it's going to feel a lot better than just having your personal wealth increase like when everybody around you is living so much better because we found a just a tweak to how we organize our society that just made things much better like ah uh, that's the like i can't stop until like either if i'm if i'm wrong then i'm wrong that's fine but like i can't stop until i'm proven right or wrong on that like it's too big of a deal yeah i i wonder if, if um for some people they don't realize that when a community is healthy it can then grow and it can just grow and grow in very very positive ways but when a community is struggling it's like in this vicious endless cycle of just struggle constantly mm. um that's you know at least in our current system that that's what's produced right when when we're having a hard time we kind of stay um the systems in such a way where it's very hard to get out of that 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 cycle um uh, collectively but when you have a lot of resources and everyone's taken care of and everyone you know is um um being supported then you you're able to grow you're able to have new initiatives you're able to have be creative and come up with new ideas um you're not worrying or in fear all the time and that's very important for communities to to thrive absolutely like uh in my personal life like i've seen it over and over like when there's some sort of safety net that's there for me like that's when I can take all the risks that produce all the value that's ever existed in my life. Like just having the, the knowledge that either when I was relying on my parents, how my parents were there, uh, when I was relying on myself, like when I started to have savings, it's like, oh, okay, I can take this big risk now because I have savings. And there's so, like, they're not like, there are hundreds of millions of people in America, but billions of people throughout the world that don't have that safety net. So they're just losing out on that ability to not just have personal fulfillment in their own lives, but imagine the impact that they could have on the world if we could fix that. Now, like I'm not saying like when I talk about abundance, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna have infinite resources, but that does mean that communities who organize themselves are gonna be able to decide what to do with the resources that are available. And if people are choosing which communities they wanna be a part of, maybe like uh, there's maybe there's a way to uh, maybe through the choices that individuals make on their own they find a way to organize that makes most of the people better off that makes that baseline better off and then what they produce is going to be world changing just making sure that people have that leg up again not through not necessarily through politics there's political ways to accomplish those uh, and i'm not for or against those in these in this context but I think there are non-political ways to achieve similar ends. And if that's the case, then I think it's going to be a really big deal. Yeah, let's not talk about politics. <laughs> it, it, we speak about it way too much. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll all come back to it when it's time. But um, I'm really curious, you know, if when Panbala reaches a state where you feel, you know, successful or happy with where it is what do you want to do next where where do you want to go uh what where do i what, what do i want to do next uh that's a good question like um i i haven't thought that far ahead in a sense that like um 
Like, I think it's going to take a long time to uh, to get to the feeling where this thing actually works. Like when I talk to people about the time scale of what's in my head, it's like a 10 year or 20 year project. Uh, so it's still relatively early on. I've been working on it for about, let's say, two and a half years. Like there's a lot of runway to go. Uh, what I'm most excited about personally is seeing what kind of communities people create with it, what kind of communities people grow with it. Because like uh, over like while I'm trying to make sure that the thing itself works, I'm hoping that a lot of other people are going to be getting to work building great communities. And when I take a breath for air and look around at what's going on, like I like I can't wait to see that community that fits me like a glove. Like that's what I'm <laughs> like getting involved in that community that I could not have designed, that I could not have predicted, but that this ecosystem, this uh, sense of like competing to, like it's, um, it's competition in a good way <laughs> where people are trying to like create the best possible community. And somebody found the thing that was the best possible thing for me without designing it particularly for me, without me saying that that was the particular thing that, could, that should exist. Like, yeah. I'm super excited about getting involved in that community. And is this in the digital realm or even in your like physical space, like even that kind of community? It's absolutely physical. So like when, uh, like, I think what makes this, um, this what what I think will be a boom in in community organizing. What I think what makes it different is that a lot of the communities will start digitally, but I don't think they'll stay digital at all. Like I think almost all of these communities are going to find some way to spill out into the real world, especially as they grow. They start to form like local chapters, things like that. People like actually meet up in person and have that community become their like just. Their, their local community, the, the, the uh, real world people that they end up spending the majority of their time with. I think if this Panbala thing works, we'll be a Panbala-ly community. I, I see the same thing um, too, where, and I, uh, I don't know if it'll take you 20 years for you to feel successful. I honestly don't think so because, you know, things are moving pretty quickly, I feel, and they're gonna be moving faster too. And, you know, especially, when we start to see the faults in our current systems and wanting to look for something else or wanting to just kind of get back to community and just taking care of those that you know are around us it's going to kind of spur us i think even more into action um, to connect in these ways like how can this community help or collaborate with this other community and become stronger in that way so I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think it'll take you 20 years to, to start to see the, you know, the fruits of your labor. Um, but I definitely see that happening where people are just going to start gravitating towards each other. Those who have the same values, like, you know, just for a simple um, example, like those who want to like live off the land, grow their own food and, you know, get all their food locally. Um, you know, or yeah, or those who want to make sure that their kids have a specific kind of education, you know, the, that brings, you know, a certain um, community together. So I think it's all going to start to happen. And um, so it's exciting to be, to, you know, be a part of it, be a part of the, 
forward thinking <laughs> way to help structure um, uh, how we're living and what we do, how we do it. Absolutely. I'm really glad you're here. Like, I'm really excited about the stuff you do with the Metaspace. I think it's like a prime example of really what what's kicking off here. Like, uh, uh, the, the, the community energy uh, that's happening in Metaspace is so special. And I think like when people have that particular question that you asked about, like, are these like technical communities or just normal people? Are they... Uh, digital communities or are they physical? I think when uh, they come across something like Metaspace, like, and that's part of the vision, then it makes it so much clearer to people what's actually happening here. This isn't just for tech nerds, although there are lots of us. It's not just for people who spend all their time plugged into Zoom calls all day. Although again, that's lots of us. I think this is gonna be something that touches so many different people. And like, especially as people come out of the like, the, the coronavirus rut and they're looking to really like re-engage with people again in a way they weren't able to for a year. Like uh, I think the kind of community energy that's about to pop off is uh, is gonna be a sight to behold. Thanks Neron. We're, we're excited and, and um, happy just to be able to do it and I love all the connections that, that are being made and um, that feeds me, so <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy with it. So what's the website for Panvala if people are, are interested in learning more? So Panvala is at panvala.com. That's P-A-N-V-A-L-A.com. Uh, on that site, you'll see an overview of what's going on. And if you want to dive deeper, there's the Panvala Handbook, which literally has everything you need to know. You could spend like a couple hours reading through everything, but there's everything uh, that you need to know in there. Uh, we're on Twitter at Panvala HQ. And again, like if you're part of a community that wants to be part of what's happening here, we want you to share Panvala's treasury with us. We want you to join the Panvala League and participate in this new form of philanthropy that we believe can elevate community life, including your community. Uh, we want you to be a part of this. We wanna share it with as many communities as possible. We're 29 communities today in the Panvala League and we're aiming for thousands. And I think it's gonna change, change the way we live life. Here, here, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Neuron. Thanks for having me, this was great.